Good morning, Maranatha. Once again, it is time for Sunday Morning Alive. I want to thank, before we go any further, I just want to stop and pause a moment and thank uh, those of you that have let us know that you listen to our our web ministries, our, our Let's Talk About Jesus Bible Study and Sunday Morning Alive. Uh, there are many media ministers and wonderful teachers. <laughs> There's some crazy people out there too. Amen. I want to be part of that solid ground of teaching and preaching because it's based on the clear interpretation of Scripture. Today, as we get ready to go to the Word of God, I want to thank you for tuning in, for coming in, for gathering around the Word of God with us here on the Internet, wherever this message and this ministry is reaching you. We appreciate you for coming today, for having that desire for the Word of God, that hunger for righteousness, if you please. You know, the scripture says that blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. Now, I'm, I'm a Holy Ghost filled preacher and I do not apologize for that. I'm glad for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost that is right here with me and right there with you today. That is the glory of the Holy Spirit. He can be in me. He can be in you. He can be with us and within us. And the promise is that he'll abide with us in that way forever. Glory be to God. So I believe he's with you. And if you don't know Jesus today, he's not yet within you. But before this broadcast is over, you can come to Christ, know him as your Lord and Savior, confess your sins, be forgiven, hallelujah, and be filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can come to live and abide in you. God will come to live in you. Your body will become not only a a container for your spirit, but for God's Spirit himself. And Christ, because of that, can indwell you by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Christ in us is the hope of glory. It's, some have said it's the down payment on heaven. It's God's earnest investment in us. If he, if we become so cleansed and forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit can indwell us, hallelujah, then we certainly can qualify to live with them and him in heaven forever. Glory to God. Well, that's another message. I want to talk to you today as I feel led of the Spirit in the midst of the chaos and the crisis. I want to talk to you today about new covenant blessings. A promise made and a promise kept is what we now, as New Covenant Christians, New Testament believers, amen, that's what we are to be enjoying today. And there's a lot of Christians who do not understand all that is offered us in the New Covenant. We we have a lot of people bouncing back and forth between the old and the new, not settling into that that God has established 
that is called uh, the New Covenant or a New Testament. Your Bible today is is uh, separated by the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. To really understand the new, we need to teach and study the old. But once we understand the New Covenant by going back, yes, and forth, we need to stand in our standing as new covenant believers. In these last days, I believe our greatest testimony and witness to the world is to come in the full measure and the full reality of the new covenant, all of the blessings of it. It was a promise made in the old covenant, a promise kept when the new covenant was established by Jesus Christ. By the way, this covenant is called a better covenant established on better promises for the blood of Jesus speaks of better things than that of bulls and goats. Hallelujah. Well, let's get into this better thing today. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Listen to the promise made and then let's look at the promise kept. And let's ask ourselves at the end of this preaching this morning, if you and I are living into the full blessing and benefit of the new covenant today. Hallelujah. Listen, it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord. In other words, this is future. This is a promise made that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And by the way, before you eliminate yourself in this new covenant, we as a wild olive branch have been grafted into the true vine. Amen. In Jesus Christ, there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek or Gentile. Amen. We become one in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So this involves you and me today, this new covenant. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, you see it's future, but it's coming. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. And this is a good place to stop and say, Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for the new covenant. The first and foremost blessing is that God's promise to us in the new covenant is to forgive our sins. I want to drop down to verse 34 and read it, and we'll kind of move back and forth in this this context 
context of this promise made and this promise kept in the new covenant. I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. First, he promises to forgive sins. In verse 34, this is why the New Testament is called, and the, and the cup of communion, literally, is called the new covenant in my blood. In 1 Corinthians 11:25, because Jesus had already said in Matthew 26 and 28, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. You see, friend, the blood of Jesus and the death of Jesus by His blood shedding is the basis for our forgiveness. So the foundation of the new covenant is God pouring out the blood of His Son in our place for the forgiveness of our sins. And when we when we literally embrace that reality that we have been forgiven, amen, there's, there's, there should be a joy. You know, someone wrote me something that many have stated to me and other letters have come that I, 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 I had, it's easier to receive God's forgiveness than to forgive myself. Because the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, the Bible said he accused them day and night. He is relentless in a, trying to bring up our past to us, our past sins, our past failures. Amen. But the Holy Spirit, through the Scripture, through the anointing of God, through the Word of the living God, amen, through the, the pointiness to the efficacy of the blood of Jesus Christ. In the book of Hebrews, it speaks of our hearts being sprinkled from evil. Sprinkled from evil. Just like the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat, that our hearts would be sprinkled from all of those memories, literally, of all of the wickedness and all of the things we did before we came to Christ as our Savior. I want to say, state, make a statement to you today. Not long before she died in 1988, in a moment of surprising candor, on television, Margarita Lasky, a well-known secular humanist and novelist, said, What I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. I have no one to forgive me. Carl Menninger once said, that if he could convince the patients in his psychiatric hospitals that their sins were forgiven, he said 75% could walk out the next day. Well, let me tell you something about the new covenant, dear friend. If you're in that prison of mental torment and shame over your past and you have come to Jesus Christ, that means the blood of Jesus has been applied to your life and the promise was made in this new covenant established through his shed blood. Amen. That, that your sins would be forgiven. And it's time that we accept His forgiveness and we begin to go through that process of no longer letting the shame and the pain of the past begin to rob us of the beautiful blessing that forgiveness brings us. 
Someone said this, and I agree. If our greatest need had been information, God would have given us an educator. If our greatest need had been for teaching, God would have, uh, or technology rather, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent a Savior. Hallelujah. Listen, God sent a Savior. And we know that that Savior's name is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. The second blessing of the new covenant is that God will change us from the inside out. God will change our hearts. Not just forgive us, but be able in the new covenant to regenerate us. (laughs) Amen. I don't know the date, but I know that the first heart transplant was performed by physicians in in a major hospital in Africa. But I know when my heart was changed is when I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Jeremiah 31, 33, this is the promise made and the promise kept in the new covenant. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it upon their hearts. Hallelujah. Amen. The second promise of the new covenant is that God will write the law on our hearts. In the old covenant, the law of Moses, the law was written on stone and could not justify or sanctify. It was external and powerless. God ordained that in its place would come a new covenant. By it, he would put the law of God not before us on stone, but by His Spirit, and by His Spirit, He would make His will our delight, (laughs) not just our obligation and duty. Sure, we should be obligated to obey God in every respect, but it's it's coming now from a heart that has been changed, from a willing obedience, amen, rather than just afraid of judgment or chastisement type of obedience. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that says, Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins were as scarlet, they shall be as wool, red like crimson, our sins before God. Red like crimson, they shall become white as snow. If you be willing and obedient, willing, that's what he's always wanted, isn't it? Willing obedience. If you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. If you refuse and rebel, you'll be destroyed by the sword. From ancient times, it's been God's great desire and design to change fallen man, to get to the root cause of all of his rebellion and sin, to change our hearts, to change us from the inside out, not from the outside in. I love Ezekiel eighteen eleven through 20. It says, And they shall come thither. And they shall take away all detestable things thereof and all abominations thereof from thence. And I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart of their, take 
the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Because, why? Because their hearts have been changed. Promise made. Listen to the promise kept in Second Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There is no biblical reference to God saving anyone and leaving them captive to the devil by not changing their heart. Hallelujah. Thomas Watson put it this way 350 years ago. He said, if a malefactor be in prison, how shall he know that his prince has pardoned him? If a jailer come and knock off his chains and fetters and lets him out of prison, then he may know he is pardoned. So how shall we know that God pardoned us if the fetters of sin be broken off and we walk at liberty in the ways of God? This is a blessed sign that we are pardoned. You see, Jesus doesn't just forgive us. He sets us free. He changes us, amen, from the wickedness of a heart of stone and gives us the willingness, hallelujah, of a heart of flesh. This word new here in the Greek is a new kind, unprecedented, novel, uncommon, and unheard of. Praise God. This is a victory that is beyond anything that that God could do for us or we could do for God in terms of obedience in the old covenant. The third blessing of the new covenant is that we can have an intimate fellowship relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Listen to Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-four, promise made. Hallelujah. For they shall know me, saith the Lord, from the least of them to the greatest of them. God promises to all of the new covenant people that we shall know him in that kind of relationship. Hallelujah. From the least to the greatest, everyone in the new covenant people knows the Lord, the church, the true Israel. Uh, made up of Jew and Gentile, is the gathering of those who personally know the Lord. The covenant people are no longer defined as all people born to the covenant members. The covenant people know the Lord. Know the Lord. That is, they have a relationship with the Lord, a fellowship relationship. They trust the Lord, all of them, not some of them. That's why the first sign of belonging to new covenant people, the very first ordinance, namely baptism, is not given to the children of covenant people. It's given only to those who give evidence of knowing the Lord. And the other ordinance, the ongoing ordinance of the Lord's Supper, communion, the Eucharist, is the savoring of the glorious truth that the blood of Jesus alone has purchased our salvation and reconcile us to God that we might have a personal knowledge of him and a 
personal relationship with him. Hallelujah. You see, when Jesus shed his blood, he secured the personal knowledge of God for all his people. And we enjoy this gracious, gracious new covenant blessing that we might know, as Paul put it, whom we have believed. Amen. Hallelujah. And be fully persuaded that he's able, therefore, to keep everything we've committed to him against that day. Colossians 1, this this covenant promise is kept. Listen in the new covenant. Colossians 1, 20 through 22. It said, in having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Now you and I, dear friends, friend, can never present ourselves in that perfect condition, but the blood of Jesus can and does in the new covenant. That's why I like the paraphrase of verse 20 uh, in Colossians 1.20, said by him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of his blood on the cross. That includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now has he brought you back as his friends and has done this through the death on the cross, his death on the cross in his own human body. As a result, he brought you into the very presence of God, and you are wholly blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Oh, glory to God. Didn't I tell you on the onset, or have I yet? There is The devil is called in Revelation 12, the accuser of the brethren. He is relentless. He does it day and night. Now is the accuser of our brethren cast down that accuse them before God day and night. And they overcame him. How? By living a perfect, sinless life so that he had nothing to accuse them of. No sins of omission commission. No. There's one element, one reason that we can be presented to God in this condition that he, being holy as he is, can accept us. Amen. And that is the precious, priceless, powerful, perfect blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I celebrate, amen, today to know that I have been washed in the blood. Have you come to Jesus, the song says, for his cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? (laughs) Hallelujah. Are you singing his praises every single hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? You see, through the blood of Jesus, we've been reconciled, brought back into a state of harmony with God. Amen. Someone said, God, God is, God is, God is so holy. He cannot accept us on any other basis 
than the blood of Jesus. We, we, God expects us to be holy, perfect, and we can't achieve that except through the blood of Jesus. Someone said the greatest thing God can do is take an unholy man out of an unholy world and make him holy and put him right back in that unholy world for a witness and keep him holy. Glory be to God. God cannot accept disobedience and, and we can't give him perfect obedience. So the only answer is the blood of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me what? Promise made, promise kept, white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. The fourth blessing of the new, new covenant is our new standing with God. Amen. Jeremiah 31, 33 says, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Hallelujah. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Amen. That is the promise made. Amen. He speaks of us as his children, as his sons and daughters. He speaks of us possessively, and we speak of him possessively, our Father, that we might call the God of the universe our Father in the new covenant. Praise God. Listen to the promise kept in Revelation 21, many other places, but time is of the essence here. Revelation 21, 6 and 7, it said, And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. You see, the author, finisher of our faith. Amen. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh, through this new covenant blessing here, shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. This is not just a creator-creature relationship restored. This is not just a king and his subject relationship restored. This is a father and son relationship. And we cry, Abba, Father. Amen. It sounds so disrespectful. I still chew on that. It's still, I'm still chewing on it. I have, I accept it by faith. But the Bible said that we can now as new covenant believers cry, Abba, Father. Jesus did it in one of the gospels in the garden, in that intimacy and dependency on his father for the help he needed to make that decision and to stand true to carry out that commitment to go to the cross. When he began his prayer, he said, Abba, Father. As a child would acknowledge his father in the garden, Abba, Father. And he was the only one, the only begotten son of the living God. But he was not the only begotten son. Oh, oh, I don't know if you got on your shouting shoes. I don't know if you, maybe you, maybe you're still chewing on it. Maybe you haven't bit off a piece of this, but you need to today. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. The New Testament says, 
and the new covenant declares that this promise is kept that we might call the God of the universe our heavenly father and not only that but we begin with childlike faith this profound new relationship we cry abba father for the scripture says now in this new covenant Right now, we are the sons of God. It doesn't appear what we shall be, but now, here and now, what manner of love is this that we might be called the sons and, of course, the daughters of the living God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Abba was the Aramaic that was spoken in the time of Christ. It was the Aramaic for daddy. It was the first words from a child when he recognized his father. He didn't say father. It was two syllable. He could speak it as a baby. Today's equivalent is dada. And Jesus in the garden said, Abba, father there's any other way, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. In that humility, he called his father, Abba, Father, and that we might use that term, and immediately it says the Holy Spirit will bear witness to the truth of it. (laughs) It takes the Holy Spirit for me to accept it. It takes faith in the promise made and the promise kept. For me to be able to, to, if I don't just say it verbally, Abba, Father, I, when I say Father, I know that He is my literal parental <laughs> Daddy. I don't call Him Daddy God. Some do. But I do say, Hallowed be Thy name. But I begin my prayer, like Jesus said, to start it with that new covenant relationship Hallelujah, our Father, our Father, our Father, not the force in the universe, our Father, amen. Finally, that fourth promise is, I will be their God and they shall be my people. You see, when our sins are forgiven and the will of God becomes our delight, we can know Him and do know Him personally, not just about Him. Then we have become His people. He's become our God. All His infinite wisdom and unlimited power is on our side. Hallelujah. And works for us. And all His greatness and beauty comes to us for our enjoyment. He is our all-satisfying God. Amen. And we are His satisfied people. (laughs) With Godliness, with contentment, (laughs) is great gain. Amen. And we acknowledge that God is our God and our Father, and we are His children and His people. And in doing that, we love Jesus even more because it was His blood that bought our forgiveness and bought our delight in God's law and brought our personal relationship to fruition with God so that God could stand over such of us as a church and as a people collectively and say, I'm your God and you are my people. Praise God. So today the challenge for us as new covenant believers is to live by faith in the great gospel. 
new covenant truth of the new and better covenant. By faith, your sins and mine are forgiven and forgotten. Hallelujah. The will of God is becoming increasingly our delight and not just our duty. Amen. You begin to know him. I begin to know him as Paul desired to know him and began to know him in the new covenant. Oh, that I might know him. Thank God we can know him today. And he is our God. Amen. And make this truth the means by which we love each other and point other people to him. Amen. Today, dear friend, I remember as we close, a lady in our church, I preached one morning, and she was a lady older than me, probably way more into the scriptures than I I was 27 years old in my first pastorate. And she had gray hair then. And now I'm 75. It was a long, long time ago. But I preached from the word of God, the truth of God. It had nothing to do with my age and my wisdom, but the wisdom of God in Jesus Christ. And I preached on standing in your standing reiterating this new covenant once again before a communion service. And she came up after the service with tears in her eyes. She had a well-weathered, because it was well-read Bible, but somehow had missed the glory of the new covenant and our new and better standing with God. And she would tears in her eyes for joy of what the new covenant offered. She'd heard more about the outward expressions of do's and don'ts to establish our holiness and, and kind of walking the tightrope in order to have a relationship with the Father. But when she saw that what Jesus did on the cross brought us to God, reconciled us to God. Amen. It didn't mean that we don't try our best to live up to His expectations. We want to do His will, but we're not earning what was bought to for us at the cross and brought to us through the Word of God today. And she said, Pastor Venable, all my life I've been trying to be good enough for God to love uh, that I could walk with Him and, and talk with Him as my Heavenly Father. And, and I realized that that became mine the very first day that I was saved. And from now on, I'm going to stand in my standing. Hallelujah. Amen. We have a new standing with God through Jesus Christ. And it's time that we as God's children begin to stand in our standing today. Today, if you're not a Christian, if you are not a Christian, you have no standing with God. Well, yeah, you do. The Bible says, because of our sinfulness, before we're saved, the wrath of God abides on us. The justifiable anger and the impending judgment lives on us because God cannot forgive us and accept us without a substitute, without a sacrifice for our sin to make us acceptable. Jesus and Jesus alone paid the price 
that you and I could be saved and we could enjoy every benefit and every blessing of the new covenant. So I urge you today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, repent of your sin so it can be forgiven. Repent of your sin so that God can see that you want your heart to be changed. Oh, friend of mine, don't run from Jesus today. Don't run from mercy. Don't run from grace. Don't run from this kind of love. Don't run from this kind of blessed assurance today. Hallelujah. You won't have to fear the judgment to come. You won't have to be afraid. You can stand in your standing. Hallelujah. Amen. And God will acknowledge you as His son and His daughter. In Jesus Christ's name, amen and amen.